Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So the reading today is from Psalm 49, and for the director of music of Sons of Korah. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, and that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named land after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers, who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed and people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. So I'll just pray as Andrew comes up to speak to us. Dear God, um, I thank you just for this community and for the good joy that that brings. God, I pray for Andrew as he comes to speak to us today. Uh, would you just speak through him? Um, would you not let the words that come out of his mouth come from him, but come from you, God? Um, and as we listen, would you just open up our hearts and our minds, and our ears to listen to what you have to say to us and what you have to speak into our lives, God? Um, yeah, would you just help us in this whole series of uh, contentment and what that looks like, contentment in you, God? Would you help us not to lean on and the material things and the things that will be temporary and that will perish, God, but help us just to lean on you and fully lean on your understanding and not on our own, God. So, yeah, let us just help us to listen and help us to learn from what you have to say to us, God. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it, it's uh, you know, with what Rebecca was saying, she was giving out to me for uh, being a bit boring and talking about, you know, paying for fuel. But I think it's actually quite fitting in the time we're in. Uh, there seems to be a, a bit of a crunch, isn't there? A bit of a squeeze everyone's talking about. So on that topic, I have a question for all of you out here. What is your relationship like with money? You know, I often find myself thinking, oh, if only I was earning more then maybe I could buy a house and not have to spend so much money on rent, and then I'd have more money in my pocket, more money in my bank account. I'd be a bit more safe and secure. 
If only I was on a bigger salary, then maybe my friends and my colleagues would be a little bit more impressed with me. If I could change jobs and get a raise, you know, maybe I could afford that nice holiday I was thinking of going on and really, you know, truly enjoying life to the full. What about you? In the words of Abba, do you frequently think all the things I could do if I had a little money? We live in a generation, a, a culture that idolizes high paying jobs, doesn't it? It paints millionaires as the gold standard of success. But we're all at different stages, each and every one of us here today. Maybe you're someone who struggles to pay bills from month to month and you just find yourself consumed by money. Or maybe you're the opposite, someone on a money have power over you like it does me. When do you feel the pinch? Are you a student maybe who feels that pinch when your mate forgets their wallet and you have to spot them a few quid for the bus or for their coffee and you think, oh, I, just, I don't really want to give them that money? What about when you have to go out of your way to pick someone up or to drop someone in your car and you're just thinking the price of fuel and, oh, I know I feel that one. Or do you feel the pinch when you're challenged to give a little bit more money to charity, maybe the church here, but you just keep putting it off? These pinch points, they tell us a lot about ourselves, don't they? They tell us that we rely on money for our comfort, our security. We don't want to give it away because we've earned it all ourselves. That's our hard work, our hard-earned money. Being wealthy, being able to afford fancy holidays or flashy cars or trendy clothes, that can become our identity, can't it? It's all fueled with money. So let's have a look at what Psalm 49 has to say about money. I hope you'll see over the next few minutes that this psalm essentially says what money can't buy, life and contentment. These are free gifts from God paid for by Christ. So let's, let's go through it and let's see if you agree with me at the end of the psalm with that kind of big idea. So we're going to look at three don'ts and three do's of Psalm 49. So do keep your Bible open. I know Sharon was handing out a few Bibles. If you uh, would like a physical copy, do put up your hand. I think we'll have a couple of spares up there. Um, so do, we'll be jumping around a little bit, so keep your Bibles open. So read with me again, verses one to four. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. So we learn a few things right off the bat of this, the opening of this psalm. First of all, money affects us all. Verses one to two tells us that this psalm is for everyone, rich and poor alike. Whether you're on minimum wage or you're earning 100K a year, plus your bonus, this psalm is aimed at you. Don't be deceived, money affects us all. That's the first don't we're looking at today. Don't be deceived, money affects us all. And in verses three and four, we learn that this psalm is a riddle. The last couple of weeks with Jez and Rebecca, we were looking at psalms of worship. This is a psalm of wisdom. What's the riddle? Well, read on with me, verses five and six. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. 
Put simply, the guy who wrote this song is asking, should you be afraid when, you know, everything in your life, you know, it's a train wreck, everything's going wrong, you're in a pit of despair, and you look around and you see all these evil, horrible people boasting in their wealth. Should we fear? That's the question. That's the riddle. Should you fear when all that is going on? Let's see what the psalm has to say. Read on with me, verse 7 on to 12. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain, their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. Who is the richest person you know? Any names out there? Rich people of history or living today? Shout a few out. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, yes. Anyone else? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. The Queen, yes. What about in history? Any other names? Famous rich people in history? King David. King David, good. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Now, what is the thing that all these people have in common or will shortly have in common? They're all going to die. Death is the great leveler. No amount of money, no matter the size of your pension pot, the value of your stock options, the amount of Bitcoin you own, it cannot prevent death. It's been proven time and time again that being wealthy doesn't make you happier, it doesn't, make you, it doesn't give you any more satisfaction or contentment or joy, but it certainly cannot save you from death. You might be able to get the best medicine or healthcare available, but ultimately, death is inevitable. So that's don't number two. Don't fear. Death levels the playing field. So don't be deceived and don't fear. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You know, when everything's going pear-shaped in my life and I'm in the pits and I look around and see all these filthy rich people living their best lives without a care in the world, I'm not actually comforted that much by the thought that, well, we're all, we're all going to die in a few years anyway. It's not, it doesn't really do it for me. Is, is that really the answer to stopping fear? That's a good question. So let's keep on reading. Let's see what the psalm has to say. We'll go again from verse 12. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. But the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. So the writer of this psalm gives us two options. One, trust in your own wealth and perish. It's verses 12 and 13. Or trust in God and live. Trust in your wealth and perish. Trust in God and live. So we've looked at already that money can't buy you life. But how does trusting in God give you life? 
How does God actually redeem us from the realm of the dead? Well, first, we'll need to acknowledge that we're on track for the realm of the dead. So with your Bibles, flip with me forward to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 3 if you can. I'll give you a minute to get there. So Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and we're looking at just verse 10 onwards. So it reads, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So to break this down even further, Romans 3 is like us going to the doctor and getting a really, really honest examination, okay? So I'm not sure, is Andrew, Andrew's here, a doctor. This is kind of how you do it, I suppose, in hospital. You get a piece of paper. So we have the patient is us. Our diagnosis is sin. Our prognosis is death. And then there's obviously an illegible sign at the bottom, I think, a signature from doctors. That's pretty common, isn't it? But that's it. A patient is us. Our diagnosis is sin. Our prognosis is death. And that's what Romans 3 says. But the great news of Christianity, the great news of our faith, is that there's another patient with us in the waiting room. Now, this patient is a guy called Jesus. Now, his diagnosis is holiness, righteousness, and goodness. And his prognosis is eternal life in paradise. Okay? And the beauty of Christianity, what happens is, is on the cross, even though we deserve death because of our sin, and Jesus doesn't, he's holy and righteous and, and he's good, and he deserves eternal life in paradise, what happens is there's a substitution. So these get transferred. Jesus takes on the punishment, the death that we deserve, and in front of God, this is what we look like. Sorry, the wrong, the wrong switch. In front of God now, this is what we look like. So the patient is now not Jesus, it's us. And we look holy and righteous and good in his eyes. That's, that's the beauty. So if you flip forward a few pages from Romans 3 to Romans 6, 23, we read. I'll give you another second to get there. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is our organ donor, isn't he? We're, we're in hospital, we're sick, there's nothing we can do, but he saves us. No amount of money, no amount of good works, or talents, or going to church every Sunday, or being part of a city group, it doesn't, it can't, it can't help us. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is why trusting in God and not your wealth leads to life. And right now, that's being part of the kingdom that is coming, the worldwide church, the body of Christians serving God here in Sing Street on a Sunday and throughout the week. And in the future, that looks like eternal life with God in paradise. So that's don't number three. Don't forfeit eternal life. It has been bought for you and comes free of charge. So the writer of this psalm, he's trying to help us have a right view of money. He gives us three don'ts so far, and they work together like an argument. 
He's building his case to trust God and not money. So he says, don't be deceived. Money affects us all. Don't fear, because death levels the playing field. And then don't forfeit eternal life. It has been bought for you and comes free of charge. So if you're with me, if you're in agreement with me so far through the psalm, what should we do with all the money that we, we have in our account at the moment? How should we act as Christians in today's climate? How can I train my heart and my mind when it's just so tempting to trust money and not God for happiness, for security, for status? What should you do if you're like me? You're so easily swayed and influenced by the powers of money. So we've had the three don'ts, so let's finish with three do's. Do number one, do believe that Jesus is your great redeemer. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, as we just looked, means we are redeemed from our death sentence. It's a free gift. But we have to accept this gift. We can't ignore it. Trusting in your own wealth is ignoring the gift of life from God. So maybe you're, you're new to church here. Maybe you're new to Christianity in general. Maybe you've actually been going here a while and you're still quite skeptical of, uh, of what Christianity has to say. Please, I plead with you, please, please keep looking into it. Come speak to myself, to Rebecca, to Steve, to somebody here in the church. And we can sit down, we can have a chat over a coffee, we can recommend books and resources and go through the questions you have about Jesus and about the Christian faith. But whatever you do, don't ignore the warning of Psalm 49. Do believe that Jesus is your redeemer and rejoice that he saves us from the realm of the dead. So that's don't number one, or do number one. Do believe that Jesus is your great redeemer. Secondly, do follow his financial advice. We see some of it here at the end of the psalm. So Sam, back in Psalm 49, read with me from verse 16 onwards. Do not be overawed when others become rich. When the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them, though while they live they count themselves blessed. And people praise you when, when, they, when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. You see, when we accept Jesus as our Redeemer, no matter our financial situation, it means that whenever we see our colleagues or our friends or our family members growing rich, we don't need to be overawed. We don't need to be jealous. Because when, when we recognize Jesus, we recognize the folly of living to accumulate wealth and trusting that it will be able to lead us to a life to the full. So let's, let's go further, let's go deeper here, deeper into this. Again, flick to 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we're flicking back again to the New Testament, looking more at the financial advice of Jesus. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're looking at verse 6, so I'll give you a second to get there again.
So read with me. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we bring nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So Paul here is talking about people who have money. So should we feel bad as Christians for having money? Is it wrong to have money? How should we handle it if we are in fact rich, if we are wealthy? Skip down to verse 17 with me. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that truly is life. Put your hope in God, not in your money. No matter how much is currently sitting in your current account, be rich in good deeds, be generous, and be willing to share. Money is a gift given to us from God. And like any other gift God gives us, he doesn't want us to just sit on it. He doesn't want, to lay, doesn't want us to lay up our treasures here on earth. He wants us to use it to serve him, to serve others, and to serve our communities. So have a think the next few seconds. How could you use your wealth, little or large, that God has given you to be rich in good deeds, to lay up your treasure in heaven, not on earth? How could you do that? How could you use your home? How could you use your, your finances? How could you use your workplace? Could you start a business? Could you take someone in? Could you give a little bit more? So do follow Jesus' financial advice. And finally, the third do, do find contentment in him. There are a few greater examples, I think, of people in the Christian faith who have found themselves in tremendous contentment in Jesus, even when they are in the pits of despair, when evil days come and wicked deceivers surround them, like this psalm, then Paul. We've already looked at a few of the things he's said. So with me again, please flip to Philippians chapter 4. So a bit of context for this letter. This is a letter Paul wrote to a group of early Christians in Philippi, and he's currently sitting in a Roman prison, and he's writing to this group of Christians. So, so look at what he says to them. Let's read from verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, 
and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So how has Paul learned the secret to contentness, no matter the circumstances? Well, it's through Christ who gives him strength. It's nothing to do with Paul at all. It's through Christ who gives him strength. Paul looks to Jesus. He looks to the one who was wise, who wasn't blinded by money. He was content in God, whether he had plenty or little. He didn't fear. He wasn't deceived. But yet he forfeited his life to give us eternal life. In another letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's that trade again, isn't it? Our poverty for Jesus' richness. So once we realize that all the riches that we want, that I want, security and comfort and and recognition and status, once we realize we already have all of that in Jesus, once we see him as our great redeemer, who brings us up from that pit of despair, we're able then to follow his good and his right financial advice. We can find true contentment in him that wealth does not even come close to competing with. That's when we know that God will surely take us to himself, as it says in verse 15. That's true because of Jesus. And because of that, we can live out this psalm. So that's Psalm 49. Three don'ts and three do's. Don't be deceived. Money affects us all. Don't fear. Death levels the playing field. Don't forfeit eternal life. It has been bought for you and comes free of charge. Do believe that Jesus is your great redeemer. Do follow his financial advice and do find contentment in him. So whenever you hear money, money, money by Ava on the radio or at a wedding, try to think of Psalm 49. What money can't buy, life and contentment. These are free gifts from God paid for by Christ. Let me pray to finish. Lord, we ask you to help us in times when we're just so tempted to, yeah, just be like the world when it comes to money and to build it up for ourselves, to spend it on ourselves, to think that it could buy us fulfillment or contentness or it could make our lives better. Lord, help us to keep looking to you, to keep looking to Jesus, to keep looking to his words, and to remember that there's only one person who can redeem us from death. There's only one person that can give us life to the full. There's only one person where we, in whom we can find true contentment, and it's you. So help us now as we sing and as we head into a new week to remember that when we're working when we're at home, when we're saving, when we're looking at our bank account, when we're planning our money, our giving, 
are saving, that we remember, Lord, to follow your financial advice, but that starts with following you. So help us in the coming weeks, um, especially in a, t- a time of, um, I guess, economic crunch, Lord. Help us remember Psalm 49. In your name, amen. Thank you.